This is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's Friday, February 12, 2021. I just posted the video blog for the week, so go have a look. This is about three different insects that we discovered in September. Well, discovered. I, we videoed in September. Uh, one is a monster grasshopper. And there's a, there, the other two, you sort of have to do a little digging to figure out what they are. But, you know, the message to all that is when you create habitat for honeybees, everything seems to just just explode everywhere so that's pretty exciting so have a look at that uh it's one of the few non uh, bee videos you'll see but it's all part of the ecosystem of what's happening here on the farm that's wildflowerbeefarm.com it's free just go have a look um we're also moving forward with the uh, honeybee lesson plans for teachers we hope to have that launched early next week working on that next week which is very exciting um did a walkthrough yesterday i don't know if you follow us on instagram you should it's wildflower underscore uh, B farm I believe underscore uh, check us out I was out yesterday collecting some of the broodminder data and it was minus five and I was standing by a nuke and all of a sudden a bee runs into me bang I'm thinking I'm freezing what are these guys doing and then sure enough second later I get hit again I'm standing right in their flyway because it's kind of where I usually stand to collect the data. You don't have to go all the way down the knoll to this hive. The, the broodminder is pretty good with this one. This is one of the a few, the only one I have that only has temperature. It doesn't have humidity. So that's, you know, it's okay, but it doesn't it doesn't help me with that. So anyway, um, I look around and I'm thinking, these, you know, how could this be possible? Well, turns out. Um, they're out for a bathroom break, even though it's minus five. And I've talked about this before. Uh, the science isn't really clear on this. I think they have like less than a minute once they leave the hive when it's that cold to go uh, to the bathroom and then come back. So that was quite interesting, quite surprising. Uh, had a great walk around. Um, the The sensors are telling us that all the bees seem to be doing okay. Still can't collect any data in the top bar hive, and I think it's because the sensors are put way over to one side, away from the bees. It is clear that we have one hive that has three boxes on it. At the top, it's extremely cold, and I think that's because, well, there's just too much space. Um, and that's something that I think uh, I, I need to really think about. Um, so... I'm going to be doing that, looking at that, and I think we'll probably go into next winter with many more singles instead of um, even doubles. The the smaller, um, we have an eight frame, and we have a, a I have a nuke with a five and five on top. They're much warmer, um, and the singles are warmer too, because they have, and I also have one with two mediums, which is quite warm. I think it's because they're, well, number one, they, the clusters could be closer to the um, sensors where we collect the temperature. But a big part of it, particularly for the 8-frame, is it's just warmer because there just isn't that much space. There isn't as much space. So when, they give, when they're in their cluster, they're giving off heat. And I think in the end, that heat will have them um, use up less energy. So we'll see how that progresses as we move into the spring. It just came today, so my um, my sensors from Home Accept, you know I've talked about this, it's a company I've invested in, but also they're primarily involved with providing sensors to help seniors stay healthy at home or wherever they may be living in a non-intrusive way. 
And I've asked them to adapt these sensors to what I do in my beehives with, with uh, temperature and humidity. So the one, um, I call it a, uh, it's almost like a router, um, but it sends out the signal for the sensors to pick up. It wasn't functioning well, so I sent it back. They sent me a new one. And so my sensors have been outside because I have sort of a, ch a few of them that lead to, to the highs where I have them here behind my house. And even though it's been like minus 18, blowing, I plug this thing into my warm house and it starts collecting data. The data that's in the microclimates, which I'm excited about, but all the way down to the three hives, inside the three hives where we've had those sensors. Now, they haven't been working for about three weeks because I, I sent the um, original test uh, router back and they were sending me a new one, the latest. And I, I downloaded the latest uh, update on the app and it's working, collecting data. Now, that's really exciting because, you know, I was set for an entire afternoon of battery changing and all that but i gotta tell you this thing is really really impressing me i've ordered another one with 15 sensors i'm going to hook up another uh, set of hives on another part of the farm and i think eventually i'll have the whole farm wired with these things because it's a it's a it's a great economical way to keep track of your bees see how they're doing and of course because we do a lot of research and also we want all this data to be con connected to the hives so um, I have uh, different uh, files created. Like all my data is now put on electric files. So I was, you know, like most of us, going around writing things down in a book all summer, and that's now been transferred to my electronic file on each hive that I can open up at any time. And I'm also working on a scan system where you just I'll just be able to scan the code on the outside of every hive and it'll open up the file, and I can enter what I need to and download any data. So it's going to be fun as I work through this sort of. Uh, sort of put together way to keep uh, records uh, with my bees. The temperature, uh, it's it's still minus, it was minus five today, still is just outside minus five and, and the bees are, are all huddled. But I, I have to tell you, yesterday was a surprise. So we're keeping track of the hives that have been flying in this cold weather to see if they're just hardier or, uh, you know, maybe not as smart or something's going on there and, and what's making them do that. Interestingly enough, the the nuke at the one pond was um, was out uh, on a bathroom break, but the the eight frame, which had a pretty warm temperature, I think it was uh, 12 to 15 Celsius inside, they were not coming outside at all. So the internal temperature does not seem to have anything to do with their coming out, and I wonder if there's there's something else going on there. Also, another hive where it was obvious the bees had come out and had a, a lot of the bees had come out and had a bathroom break, uh, whereas some of the hives not at all, although you can see some movement. So it's going to be an interesting uh, exploration uh, to see what happens. So I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Um, next week I'll be doing some more exploring with the sensors. I'll, I'll give you some more information on the data. I also want to talk to you next week about uh, different ways to raise bees. I, I came across two absolutely fascinating videos and I'll talk about them next week and I watched about three hours of two gentlemen one from England and one from Cornell University where they talk about their hunt to find um, you know bees in their natural habitat over time and and to discover what's happened to them how they've survived even though no one's treating them for varroa mites which you know today is unheard of so how does that happen and 
just a fascinating, fascinating kind of look. Just to close, you know, when I, I, I do the treadmill every day, when I'm on there and, and I'm thinking, and sometimes I go to different, uh, there's not a lot of them, but you go to a, bee, a honeybee podcast, and I'm hearing so much about the micromanagement of beehives. Just managing things to, and I think I told you in some of the earlier podcasts when I started three, four years ago officially in this, um, to learn what to do. Most of the things I talked, uh, you know, people I talked to, things I looked at, talked about, you know, you got to go in every two weeks, you got to open up your hive, you got to look at things, you got to do this, you got to do that, you can't let them swarm, you have to feed them, you have to, oh my God. So, uh, I started looking back at what these gentlemen discovered, these scientists, one more practical, a bit like what we're doing here in the farm, the other a research scientist at a university. And it, and it looks pretty much like they're saying, in most cases, they leave them alone. And it, I know it's a bit of a dilemma today because we talk about you know, bees and, and treating varroa mites. And you know here on the farm we use formic acid and we use thymol which are considered organic but they're still to treat my uh, mites and i'm looking at ways to sort of back off that a little bit and give our bees a chance to you know to develop their own abilities to handle this but in the meantime one of the most striking and i'll tell you one of the most striking findings of when i watched this video is the professor at cornell university talked about uh, what i call social distancing so that the hives are not all put together and just by doing that, so he had two he had two sections. In one section, he had a group of hives that were together, as you see in most apiaries. And on the other section, he had hives that were not connected. So they were quite. I think he said 50 meters. I'm not sure, but they were they were relatively close, but not close enough for for there to be a lot of drift. And after one year of of winter, some 85% of the socially distanced hives survived, even though they weren't treated for varroa, whereas the majority of the other hives, I think all but one died, didn't make it through the winter. Now, you know, that's pretty compelling. Now, maybe in the second year, they all would have died because they weren't treated for varroa. I don't know, but you have to wonder how much of what we see is, you know, with varroa mites, when you have like 30, 40, 50, hundreds of hives together with the drift that happens um, it's just not healthy so we're going to talk about that in future podcasts and I'm going to continue to research this with social distancing as you know we're doing a small test up here at the farm where we have um, we have three that we're monitoring that are fairly close behind my house here and then we have uh, uh, five six on the farm we're monitoring similar and then all of the rest on the farm are put well apart from each other so they're very much socially distanced. And so we're going to be able to get some information soon on, you know, the differences in those two groups. Uh, again, not experimentally designed, but a, but a good way to look at what's happening here. And who knows what will happen uh, this coming summer. Also thinking of a very easy way to split hives, and I'll talk about that in the next podcast. So this is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. You have an amazing week. Remember, go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and have a look at today's video where there's a giant, ginormous grasshopper and a couple other insects to talk about. Have a great one.